This is Chip Brantley, co-host of the NPR podcast, White Lies. Before we found the man in Vancouver, before we sued the State Department, before we snuck into the graveyard of a federal penitentiary, all we had were the photographs. Photographs of a group of Cuban men standing on the roof of a prison in rural Alabama. That's this season on the NPR podcast, White Lies. From KMUW Studios and part of the NPR Podcast Network, this is Books and Whatnot. I'm Suzanne Perez, KMUW's resident book reviewer. And I'm Beth Golay, host of KMUW's Marginalia Podcast. This episode was recorded on March 1st, 2023. Any references to new or forthcoming and the like are relative. Hey, Beth. Hello, Suzanne. How are you this morning? I'm well. How are you? <laughs> Happy March to you. I keep forgetting that today is March. Uh, you know, which means in three days, it's March 4th. March 4th, the only date that is also a directive. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wrote about that when you were at the Eagle. I did. And as a matter of fact, I'm thinking back, and I believe my March 4th column was actually may have been my first uh, read ICT thing. It was like March 4th into reading. Here's a challenge. I still think that's a lie. But I mean, I remember we started in January. Mm, well, I'm going to go back and look at my Facebook. <laughs> um, but March is St. Patrick's Day. So later in this episode, Beth and I will be talking a little bit about Irish literature and Irish authors. I'm excited because it keeps creeping into our conversations. So we're going to do a little bit deeper dive into that. Yeah, yeah. It's been, uh, and it's not, you know, like there's never been Irish authors, but there seems to be, it seems to be really part of the zeitgeist right now in literature. So Nice word choice. <laughs> I'm all about the $10 word this morning. <laughs> um, but you know what else happens in March? What's that? That is the Wichita Big Read. Yes, it does. Woo, woo. So do you want to talk a little bit about this year's book? Sure. The selection for the NEA Big Read Wichita this year is Can't We Talk About Something More Pleasant? And it's by Roz Chast, who is a cartoonist for The New Yorker. And you reviewed this book, if I remember right, for us. I think I did. I think you're right. I love, love, love it. It came out several years ago. Uh, I guess we should explain Wichita Big Read is essentially, um, it's been going on for more than a decade now. It's sort of a community book club. It's a citywide effort to get everyone on the same page, so to speak, <laughs> reading the same book and talking about it. But this particular book also would fulfill, we're talking about the Read ICT Challenge, and it um, actually fulfills category number nine on that challenge, which is a book about death or grief. So that's kind of cool. but Which is kind of why you chose that category, right? Yes, yeah. that's right, because we are, have a partnership with the library to come up with the challenge categories. So this year we thought it, it'd be nice to have that tie-in. Uh, this book is so amazing. You know, first of all, it's a graphic memoir, and I think a lot of people don't really choose necessarily look for graphic novels and graphic memoirs so it's good in that way but in this memoir she uses cartoons and found documents and prose to tell the story of her parents final years of life and it's sad and it's funny in places and super poignant but yeah that's it's going to be a really neat community discussion I think and the library does a fantastic job on this Basically, they have all of these different community events. There's book club discussions. There's, you know, sort of events tied to it. So it'll be really neat to, neat to see. I haven't read it yet, but I'm hoping to pick up a copy. The kickoff is March 12th. It's from 2 to 4 at the Advanced Learning Library downtown, and they always have free copies while they last. So I hope to pick up one then. If not, I will buy one because yeah. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm all about buying books. I am interviewing her. I'm interviewing Roz Chast. Ugh. 
on March 17th, and that episode of Marginalia will drop on April 11th, which is two days before she visits Wichita. Oh, how perfect. That's perfect timing. Yeah, and so she'll be in Wichita on April 15th from 6 to 7 at Wichita State's the Metroplex is the what Metroplex we call it. The Metroplex up there at Metropolitan Complex. 29th and Oliver-ish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one more thing that I have to add is KMUW sponsors an event that's part of Big Read. We have this event called Wichitalks where we have, I believe, 10 speakers and they each give a talk, but they have these slides that advance automatically. So if they get behind, there's no saying go back to that slide. I mean, it automatically advances, I think, every ten, is it 10 or 15 seconds, 20 slides, 20 sec- 15 seconds. I don't yeah. remember. Not a long time to tell a story about a slide. But very, very cool. And this year, the theme is about, you know, stories about death or end of life or whatever you feel feel fits the theme. I mean, we've already had applications come in. You do have to apply to present. But I mean, it's it's a great thing to watch from the audience. And that's going to be April 2nd at Roxy's. Doors open at 1. Event begins at 2. Bonnie Bing is our MC for oh, it. Fabulous. Which is really we love Bonnie. Yeah. Tickets are $10. And I believe they're available through KMUW.org. That's going to be great. I just love those Wichita Talks. You, you find I mean, everybody has a different story to tell. And I just think this theme, while it sounds like it could be you know, depressing or sad. It's like, it's definitely something everybody goes through at some point. So um, yeah, that'll be really good. We have so, so many exciting things with Wichita Big Read and it's just a really fun month. Uh, It's also a good time to sort of look back. I know I always do with every Big Read as I kind of look back and think, what were the previous Big Reads? So if you go online to wichitalibrary.org slash Big Read, you can get all, not only all of the information about this year's Big Read, but you have a list of the previous titles and there are a lot of great titles in there so if you're looking for something for your <laughs> for your tbr like i know you and i always are we don't have enough to well to want to read do we i was looking at the list because you put it on our script today and you know it began in 2008 all the way to 2022 and i was just looking through the list and i saw you know station 11 by emily oh. st john mandel i'm going to visit with her in a couple of weeks for sea of tranquility so that's kind oh. of exciting there and then in 2015 Into the Beautiful North by Luis Alberto Oria. Thank you. And he has another book coming out in May. I have a galley of it right here in my stack. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, so it it is exciting to see authors and to to kind of look at backlist and explore future titles. And yeah, and it's such a a varied list. And we are going to go ahead and include that list in our show notes, too, I think. Absolutely. So you can find it conveniently there. But it's everything from Fahrenheit 451 to True Grit to <laughs> My Antonia. It's really a great list. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what we've been reading lately, Beth. Sounds good. I'm ready. All right. Why don't I'm you? Ready. Okay, uh, then. I'm ready. You go. You go, girl. <laughs> you go first. Well, when we recorded last, it was exactly a month ago on February 1st, and I was frantically trying to finish a book so I could return it at the Super Bowl. I remember remember (laughs) when we turn everything into a book thing. Yes. Follow up. Tell us how that went. It went really well. My hosts, Greg and Diana, were very excited. They sent an email out encouraging people to bring books if they wanted to do a book exchange. I took like 10 to 12 and came home with none. So that made me happy. That's a win for us. (laughs) It is. And I was able to return Family Matters by Rohinton Mystery. And it was, oh my gosh, Greg, you were right. I'm so sorry it took me five years. It was an amazing read. I read and listened to it at the same time as I want to do. It's set in the early aughts. It's um, it's about this Parsi family living in Mumbai. And I was so glad I took my time with it. Yes, I had that deadline, but I allowed enough time to finish it. 
I mean, although I was like finishing it up in the driveway at their house. <laughs> I love that. But it was it was a fantastic read. And, I, you know, this is one of those rare books that actually made me cry. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, because, you know, I have so, a heart of stone. <laughs> well, you don't often get that emotional with a book. So I'll say. Yeah. So that's really high praise. Yeah. So worth the wait, you would say. It was worth the wait. And, yeah, I just want to thank Greg Ardeburn for recommending it to me. Thank you. That is awesome. Okay. Um, my first read that I'm bringing is Nightcrawling by Leela Motley. I had kind of mentioned this in passing uh, last episode, too, because we were talking about the books I'm trying to read for the Tournament of Books, 2023 Tournament of Books. This was one of the selections. This is a hard, hard book to read, and it's because the subject matter is just so tough. So uh, this is the story of Kiara and her brother Marcus, who are living in East Oakland, a low-income apartment complex it's called the Regal High. They've both dropped out of high school. They are dealing with all kinds of trauma. A parent has been imprisoned. The other is passed away. And Kiara basically is just trying to scrape by, also befriends a young man in an apartment uh, near theirs um, who also has a mother that's dealing with substance abuse. And it's, it's just, it's really, really tough going, this story. But this is a debut novel by this author, and it's super impressive actually so nightcrawling refers to Kiara having to you know basically do whatever she can to scrape by and she basically becomes a prostitute and it gets into sort of the um, the really really harsh realities of that it also turns into almost this uh, police procedural police scandal um, kind of novel so it, it sort of takes a left turn I think about midway through but it is well worth the read but like I said tons and tons of trigger warnings for mm. folks, but really an impressive debut by Leela Motley. That is Nightcrawling. Okay, the next one I'm going to talk about is called Murder Your Employer. Oh, I can't wait to hear about this one. Subtitle, McMaster's Guide to Homicide, and it's by <laughs> Rupert Holmes. Rupert Holmes... If it, you like pina coladas! <laughs> Rupert Holmes is an author and a playwright, and he's won Tony Awards for his shows on Broadway, but yes, he also wrote the pina colada <laughs> song called Escape. And this book is set in the 50s. It's kind of fantastical. He has built up this whole secret campus where nobody knows where it's located. Even the students are just kind of taken there with with blindfolds on. But it's a school where they learn the art of the elegant murder. And this sounds, you know, harsh. But the people behind the school, they have some ethics behind them, and they, they really have to make sure that the person deserves it, that nobody else will be hurt, that the world would be better off without this person and, and whatnot. So it's, it was just it's a fun conversation. It was a fun book. You know, he said it in the 50s because people wouldn't be able to get away with these kind of murders right. these days. Isn't that, I, I'm finding that in a lot of books. It's like yeah. they're set just before DNA evidence yes. or they're set just before cell phones. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. That, yeah. So that was a choice that he made intentionally. It took him 12 years to write this book. And this is just one in a series. He plans to release one a year for the next 25 years, even though he'll be like 101 by the time wow. that ends. That's when he'll wrap it up. So he he envisioned this as a series when yes. he began. That's yeah. so fascinating to me. I don't know how people do that. So this one is Murder Your Employer. The next one is going to be Murder Your Mate. Oh, and there'll be all sorts of murders then yeah. coming up. How cool. Yeah. And, and if I remember correctly, that one has a beautiful cover as well. It has a beautiful cover. It has, you know, great illustrations throughout. But 
on the end pages, it has a map of the school. Which I love said a book it took with like maps. Six years to, to, to you know, to envision the school in his head. So I think he could walk around and tell you where everything is, even though it doesn't exist. But mm-hmm. it fully exists in his mind. That is amazing. And you know I love a book with a map. Yes. <laughs> Suzanne was just looking at the map, and yes. it's beautiful. Okay. And you have a marginalia episode where you talk to him, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's yeah. Murder Your Employer, McMaster's Guide to Homicide by Rupert Holmes. All right. Um, my next one is called Before the Coffee Gets Cold. This is a tiny little book in translation. It was written in Japanese, translated into English. I listened to it on uh, Libro FM. It's a time travel story. It's about a little cafe in Tokyo called Cafe Funiculi Funicula. Forget about the pina colada song <laughs> being in your head. You're going to have a new one. Funicula, funicula. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so this little shop is uh, off of a you know main street in Tokyo, but uh, this shop has very special powers. It brews a very special kind of coffee and has for the past hundred years or so that lets customers have a very unique experience, and that's the chance to travel back in time. But there are several rules that go along with that. If they do, they have to understand that even if they go back in time, they cannot change the future. And also, they have to get back before the coffee gets cold. Wow, so they only great. have a few minutes, really. Um, but it tells the story about th- three different chapters of time travel and people dealing with things that they want to go back and do. It was very beautifully Aww. told. You know, things that were left unsaid, mysteries that they want to figure out. You know, there's one chapter is about the, the re- really fractured relationship between these two sisters. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. So that is Before the Coffee Gets Cold. The author is Toshikazu Kawaguchi. That's Japanese. Very nice. Okay. Very nice. Okay, so the next book I'm going to talk about is titled Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson. Can't wait for this one either. And You're bringing the stuff. There you go. Jenny Jackson is vice president and executive editor at Knopf. But this is her first novel. You will recognize her work, though, if you have read Gabrielle Zevin. <gasps> Which Emily- I have, as <laughs> a matter of fact. Emily St. John Mandel. Wow. Uh, J. Courtney Sullivan. These are authors that she has edited. Cormac McCarthy. <gasps> wow. Catherine Heine. Yes. So these are all people, except for Cormac McCarthy, but, you know, call me. These are all people <laughs> who have been on Marginalia. We've interviewed them. And so, um, yeah, just to visit with their editor is fun. And I loved talking to her because she was even saying what she learned from each of these writers. But... um. Pineapple Street. Let me talk about the book yeah. that she wrote. Pineapple Street is um, one of the fruit streets in Brooklyn. There's um, pineapple, orange, and cranberry streets in Brooklyn. I didn't know about I this. I don't know that either. Yes. That's cool. So she lived on Pineapple Street when she wrote this. And this book is just, it's about a family. But, you know, and it's about the trials that this family goes through. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that they are just super wealthy. Um, This is a book about generational wealth and how, you know, in the next 10 years, there's going to be this passing of money to all of these young people. Uh, It's like the largest passing of generational wealth that we've ever had. So it's about all of the things that come with money. But then there's also like this movement of these young people are giving their money away. They don't like it. They don't like the fact that they have, you know, that they own most of the world, basically. 
Um, so it's about wealth. It's about, you know, these two sisters and a sister-in-law in this one single family. You know, the two sisters would always refer to the other one as a gold digger. They just didn't <laughs> realize that she wasn't because she just had these humble, you know, beginnings in Rhode Island. It almost felt like a, a coming of age, but it wasn't. But I do feel like they grew throughout. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I often talk about this genre of uh, fiction uh, that I refer to as rich people behaving badly. <laughs> would, you, would you consider this part of that or not really? Um, it's rich people figuring out how to behave. Uh-huh. It's, uh, which reminds me a little bit of Dinosaur. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, I mean, that was sort of the, his journey, you know, Gil's journey, knowing he's independently wealthy and just trying to come to grips to that. It, I mean, I haven't read this yet. Yeah, I, can't I wait, mean, but. like a couple of these of these um, people, when they got married, they had to like ask their their spouses to sign a prenup, and yeah. the spouses are like, um, "That's all sorts of drama, right yeah, there." And, yeah, and but the others are just used to it. I, there was this one part in the book where. Rich people marry other rich people because it makes it easier. It's an it's an accumulation of wealth. And they also are not going to worry that this person is going to know how to behave at the country club. This person is they're not going to embarrass them. So they're in all. the same circle. Plus, they they run in the same circles. Right. Rich people marry. I mean, they, that's just sort it's of easier to take your rich friends on vacation because, you know, they're not there for your money. Wow. Stuff like that. Golly. So it was an interesting it was a good escape read it really was yeah wow i can't wait to read that That yeah so um, that's pineapple street by jenny jackson definitely on my list oh the next one my next read uh, beth is a beth made me do it (laughs) i read the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires by grady hendrix um i read it not because beth had read it necessarily but because she was talking about grady hendrix and she had uh talked to him for his newest novel how to sell a haunted house It got me curious, and wow, am I glad I read this one. So my review of it is online now at kmew.org, so you can sort of read my review there, but I loved every bit of this. First of all, Grady Hendrix's writing has, I mean, he, it's horrific in parts. This book is definitely not for everybody. I'm not even that necessarily that much of a horror reader, Mm -hmm. so some of the scenes were especially gruesome for me, but he has this great touch. In this one, he really deals with stereotypes and um, misogyny and wealth and privilege and basically these these women in a suburb of Charleston which I'm also familiar with so that was kind of neat they form a book club where they're reading you know just really gruesome true crime stories you know the Ted Bundy you know biographies and books about him and books about serial killers and vampires and all this stuff. And then uh, someone moves into the neighborhood (laughs) who is very suspicious and all, yes, and literally all hell breaks loose. So anyway, but uh, thank you. Thank you, Beth, for, you know, just sort of putting Grady Hendrix on my radar. And I really, really can't wait to dig into some of his past novels, which, you know, Final Girl Support Group. I Mm -hmm. really want to, I've gotten his new one. It's just, when you talk about like escape reads, to me, this is like um, just sort of mind candy kind of. um, But also, again, like he has like this really nice touch with his writing. And um, anyway, so you find yourself laughing at a line and then, the next page you're just kind of cringing it was yeah. really powerful that's called the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires by grady hendrix if you ever have an opportunity to listen to one of his interviews do so i mean i've talked to him twice i met him back when it was my best friend's exorcism came out and he 
you know, when he goes on tour, he kind of puts on a one-man show. Oh, I he's bet. He's <laughs> just so fun to listen to and to visit with, and he's so well-spoken. And I really want to, like, you know, the whole Einstein brain thing. I want to see his brain after oh, his, yeah. his final demise. Just so original. Yeah. And so, I, so much fun. I should say here, too, that my husband, Andy, also read Southern Book Club after I read it because I was just, like, sitting there going, wow, oh, oh, my goodness. You know, you can't. You see someone reading a book like that, and you're like, oh, I have to read that mm-hmm. one. He read that one. And then he has since read Horror Store, mm. which is a, um, the premise is a haunted sort of Ikea store. <laughs> and the book looks like an Ikea catalog. It's just... It's just genius. Yeah. So that's uh, that's Grady Hendrix. Yeah. Okay, so my next one is I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. I'm about halfway through it. I listened to it on Libro FM and then also read the book because I'm Suzanne's picking up my copy mm-hmm. right now. It's beautiful. This was so well done. So. Oh, my word. It's about a woman who is a podcaster. She dives into, like, this true crime podcasting. This woman goes back to her boarding school in New Hampshire, Granby, New Hampshire, and it's 30 years, nearly 30 years after the death of one of her classmates who was also like her roommate. And and she this woman, Bodie Kane, she's gone back to teach a two-week mini-mester. She's a film critic, film historian type person, so she's teaching a class on that. But then she also has these kids in her class, and she, she teaches them about podcasting. And a couple of them decide to look into this murder because they believe the wrong person is in prison. So I don't know. This book was, you know, it was told through first person. It's a first person narrative, but it has that second person. She's talking to somebody who was a former teacher there. Um, and you don't know that for a while. You don't know that until like the very end of, of the first chapter mm-hmm. when she addresses him as, as Mr. Block. You know, you're halfway through. There's this one chapter when we actually get to hear from the person in prison, which is remarkable. It's it's genius with the audio. Anyway, Rebecca Mackay is she's just she's so good at she's just good at what she does, whether it's it's a novel or a short story. She is such a tight writer. And the one that was right before this, The Great Believers, it was a finalist for the Pulitzer. I think this one's even better. So Wow. And yeah. it's so different than what she's put out yes. in the past. When I heard this was like a campus murder right. mystery, I was like, wait a second. Rebecca Mackay wrote a campus murder mystery? It's been described as the secret history meets serial, the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't. <laughs> listened or read either but Uh I know what you're talking about Um, I was talking to her I did interview her and it's out already Um, it came out yesterday February 28th I was talking to her about how even though this murder was 30 years old there was this sense of urgency as I read it and I just really loved that so it was a murder mystery but it's not like the killer was still lurking around the corner if that makes sense right and it's and it's it's lovely also the way it's structured that you that she goes back to that really really awkward time in her adolescence mm-hmm. where she was just sort of you know discovering herself and her memory is so different like scenes are so different in her memory than they were then and she you know picks up little details that she didn't back then right and so you know you have that you know how reliable is memory do you become an, an unreliable narrator at that point. Uh, but then she also touches on, you know, there are a couple of Me Too instances in this book where, you know, things that have might have happened to her in the past, how well is she remembering them today? Um, her husband is accused of this Me Too incident. How well does that accuser remember? 
And then I was also talking to her about how this whole span of the book, because it goes back 30 years, we are reading through that bridge of what we put up with 30 years ago versus what we will not put up with now. And it was just really fascinating. Right. Yes. And then there's that whole, and we, oh gosh, we could go on and on about this right. one and, and probably would, but there's that whole, also that whole storyline of our uh, society's relationship with true crime oh, right. and how we glamorize, you mm-hmm. know, in some points glamorize it and does that feed into, you know, the whole, exactly. uh, anyway, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Well, I am going to actually wrap up my current reads with one of my favorites of the year, it turns out, this quirky, quirky novel called Big Swiss by Jen Began. Um, my review of this is also at kmuw.org. This book is about a transcriptionist for a sex therapist in town. And, you know, that hooked me immediately. You knew there's going to be, you know, some <laughs> some good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, the story of this transcriptionist, Greta. She starts, again, transcribing notes from the sessions of this sex therapist. His name is Ohm, which is, yeah, every bit as pre- <laughs> pretentious and new age as you think. And he basically has a client that she comes to call Big Swiss. Her name is Flavia. And, you know, she hears Big Swiss talking about the trauma in her life and, and, and becomes enamored with her and enthralled with her. And then there's a chance meeting at a dog park, and uh, the story develops from there. <laughs> but, um, oh, my gosh, this novel, really, really um, a sexy, sexy novel in many parts. Not for everyone who doesn't like, uh, <laughs> who, uh, you know, is, I don't know. But not her, for all sensibilities. That is a great way to put it, Beth. <laughs> not for all sensibilities. It's a mature novel. Um, but, man, her writing, the way she describes things, it's just uh, it it had sort of hints to me of Otessa Moshfeg, mm. uh, where it's just so bizarre and offbeat and quirky and bonkers. And anyway, I loved it. That was Big Swiss by Jen Began. And that was on my list this month yeah. as well, but I waited until you wanted to talk about <laughs> it. What I loved about it, I, so this month I read two books where I did not interview the author, uh-huh. and, which is remarkable Yeah, for that's me. great for you. Yeah. And I, not for school. <laughs> exactly. What I loved about this is that, yeah, she's she's transcribing these sessions and it was just a fantastic you know way to work on perspective because we get this first person perspective and we're not even in the room but we are in the room she would have the dialogue Uh of the therapist and the patient and then would intersperse with her little commentary yes wait, what? And then she'd start transcribing (laughs) again. Or stop, shut up, home. stop interrupting. (laughs) I loved it. I love that structure. And uh, it makes, it does make me want to go back into her backlist a little bit too. But wow, what what a great novel. Yeah. All right. So let's talk Irish authors for March. Okay. I'm so excited about this. Me too. It's like, it's like we've been hinting at this for months and months and it's all coming together now. At St. Patty's time. It's like a date that finally showed up. So if I say Irish authors, Irish literature, what's the first thing you think about, Beth? Well, one that I love that's not really, you know, he's not really a writer of novels. It's all right. But he, you know, I've talked to him about the Irish troubles and and everything. Um, Oliver Jeffers. Oh. He's an artist. He illustrates kids' books, but they're, he doesn't call them kids' books because they're just meant, they're just picture books for all ages. And he's incredible. Awesome. So that's what comes to mind when I think of Irish, you know, Irish authors. And, you know, also Sally Rooney is one. 
That was my first okay. immediate. I'll let you do no, that no, one. no, no, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll just pipe in. Her. I can pipe in. <laughs> no, Sally Rooney to me is the epitome of contemporary Irish authors. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has really made a name for herself, not only you know for her you know, sort of millennial style novels, but also the fact that she's Irish and Ireland plays a huge part in her voice and her tone. And certainly when you're listening to it on audio, um, I know when I listen to Beautiful World, Where Are You? um, Yeah, I mean, it was set in Ireland. It was, you know, just wonderful Irish accents and wonderful to listen to. But she, you know, comes to mind. So she obviously has written Normal People. That's probably her most popular novel and the most well-known. She also wrote Conversations with Friends. Mm-hmm. And as I said, Beautiful World, Where Are You? Um, all of those, yeah, are, that that's one of one of my favorites for sure. You know, since you say Sally Rooney, there's, there's a clip I want to play. You know, I mentioned that I interviewed... Um, Jenny Jackson, and she's an editor at Knopf. And I've interviewed maybe six to eight editors who have also been authors in the last couple of years. And I always ask them, is there a book that you are working on or have worked on that you are excited about and would like to talk about? And their excitement is always, yes. And so I want to play this clip from my interview with Jenny Jackson. So I have this novel called The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donohue that I just know is going to be a very big deal. Um, It's the first time her adult fiction has been published in the U.S. She's an Irish writer. And this novel is set in Cork in the early aughts. And it begins as this sort of fun friendship story about this young woman and her gay roommate and they're broke and they work in a bookstore and they're trying to find themselves and over the course of 300 pages it turns into this incredibly sophisticated story about finding um employment in a in an economic recession and about bodily autonomy at a time when it's illegal and about love and about what we actually think we deserve in this life. And I'm so passionate about the Rachel incident. So that's like three months in a row that this book has come into our conversation. Um, My friend Jason Gobble, who works at Random House, he was so excited to recommend it to me. And he said, it's like Sally Rooney, but funny. And so that's why, you know, I think I mentioned it at our Read ICT. You did, That yes. we had with the library. The like launch. That, would, mm-hmm. that would fit one of the categories. And then I just feel like it's almost fate that I visited with the author who was the editor for The Rachel Incident. So that's Caroline O'Donohue. She's an Irish author. This book doesn't come out until June. But I, you know, I, I guess maybe I'll just try to talk about it every month until yes. then. <laughs> and then in June, you can see what all the fuss is about when That's it actually right. goes on sale. No, I love to hear editors get excited about books. Like you talk about Jason and uh, we are always, you know, attuned to his recommendations because he, I mean, they, they really, taste. exactly. And it's so nice to have. And, and I really love this whole recent wave of editors turned authors too. That's kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, one other item. Irish author I think that people should know about if they don't already is Claire Keegan. So she's the author of um, Small Things Like These, uh, which came out last Christmas. It was kind of like the... um the big time hand sell at Christmas time, yeah, Christmas twenty one. Stevens talk about that yes. when she joined when she joined us. Yes, and it was just this little novella, this perfectly, uh, it just it was. 
I'm not going to get too much into the plot of it, but um, her writing is so, so beautiful. And then, so then publishers reissued an earlier novel of hers called Foster. So a lot of people might think that Foster came after small things like these. It's actually the reverse, but um, I read Foster in January, and it too is just um, a novella, a little bite-sized piece of life, and she really, really explores it with... That, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Irish authors have a real flair for emotion and getting into, you know, I'm thinking of, of Dairy Girls. I don't know if you've watched Dairy Girls. I've on, started it. Oh, my gosh. It's so entertaining. But what so much about it is just the passionate emotion of these characters. And you can have like really, really quiet, poignant times and then also fiery, you know, crazy, funny um, moments. And that's what I love, too, about Claire Keegan's writing. Well, okay. You mentioned Claire Keegan, and I swear this is coming back around to her, but back at the beginning of the pandemic, I was helping my friends who have bookstores, I was helping them figure out how to do Zoom conversations and how to put them out on Facebook for people to see so independent bookstores would not have to stop doing events. And one of the first ones I did was with this Irish author named um, Keelan Hughes. She was in conversation with Anthony Doerr, who... They met at a writing conference and they struck it off and they were great friends. And, you know, Anthony Doerr wrote All the Light We Cannot See and Four Seasons in Rome and just so many fantastic titles. Cloud Cuckoo Land? Yes. Cloud, yes. That was his latest. Thank mm-hmm. you. I couldn't remember that. <laughs> so they had a conversation and Keelan hit it, you know, she also hit it off really well with my friend Javier. And so once a month since then... Exile in Bookville in Chicago has hosted this online Zoom event that they put out. Um, they record it, and you can either attend it on Zoom, you know, you know, you get this free ticket through Eventbrite, or you can watch it after the fact on their website. And so, like, Claire Keegan was one of her guests. She has a conversation with another author. She figures out the author. I mean, she's had a conversation with Roddy Doyle. Oh. She's visited with Kamala Shamsi. So they're not all Irish, but, you know, Keelan certainly is. And her book is called The Wild Laughter. She's just so brilliant. I love watching just so I can see the questions that she's forming. And it's fun to watch other people interview other authors. Right, especially writers interview yes. other writers. That's fascinating. Yeah. And, and can we just say, uh, yes, as horrible as the pandemic was, we have some really good leftovers from that, one of, <laughs> one of which is many, many more virtual events yes. from bookstores. Yeah, I love I that they've love hung, that. hung on to that because, you know, authors can only travel so much. That's right. So, one other one I wanted to mention, and uh, is Tana French, uh, oh. the mystery author Tana French. She wrote the Dublin Murder Squad series. Lots and lots of fans of her work. I read w- one of her novels, very, very slow burn mystery uh, with sort of police procedural relationships, you know, between cops and victims and all of that stuff. Um, I really, I'm not necessarily a huge mystery author but she is incredibly popular and and Irish I've never read her yeah so that's one to explore you know I liked I really enjoyed my conversation with Louise Kennedy uh, it was oh, trespassing that is definitely on my TBR yeah it was fantastic as well so so check that out mm-hmm. and then I we cannot talk about Irish authors without talking about one of my all-time favorites which is John Boyne yeah. and I think I this was a Beth made me do it too if I remember correctly <laughs> um, but he wrote the boy in the striped pajamas which right. um, people are familiar with. But then The Heart's Invisible Furies, mm-hmm. fabulous novel that had um, kind of hints of uh, Prayer for 
Owen Meany, <laughs> which is one of my favorites. Oh, um, a Ladder to the Sky, best villain ever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he had one uh, come out recently, Echo Chamber, and a brand new one called All the Broken Places that I'm really looking forward oh, to. Oh, nice. So that's uh, John Boyne, fabulous, fabulous author. I'm embarrassed to say I've never read Angela's Ashes by Frank McCourt, but he's obviously a very, that's a very popular title, popular Irish author. And then Emma Donahue, who has written many, many uh, short story collections and several novels, but she's probably best known for the novel Room. That was an incredible novel. Oh my gosh. Told from the perspective of the child held captive in this room. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, that is that's a lot of good Irish Irish goodness. It's like a shot of Jameson, <laughs> which I love. I do love Jameson. Too bad it's Lent. <laughs> you know, you have one listed on here. I saw your list before we came, and I want to talk about it because there are three things that I kind of stumbled upon or, or recalled that tell me that this is a sign. And you put on the list the William Trevor short stories, right? Yes, and it's because you told me about this. Okay, project. I didn't realize yes, that yes. that was why. Because but right. you also wrote the 2009 novel Love and Summer, and in my mind, I was like, oh, I'll grab that book of stories from my shelf. It's like more than a thousand pages, and then I knew I had a copy of Love and Summer here at the station, and I thought I will grab them for the picture. We have something to talk to you about, you know, the photo that goes with our podcast in just a moment. But I, I don't want to leave this William Trevor trend. So the book of stories that I have, there's an author. I'm assuming here's another Irish author. <laughs> Probably. Um, so Adam O'Fallon Price. That oh, which reminds nice. me, Maggie O'Farrell. Oh, God. How did Why we did we forget? Off? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But this author, Adam O'Fallon Price, you know, in September of 2021, he started something he called the William Trevor Reader. And the plan was once a week, every week, he would read one story from William Trevor's The Collected Stories, and he would write about it. And so there are 85 stories. Uh, it's 1,261 pages. And he was going to start with a meeting in middle age and, and end with Kathleen's Field. And assuming he completed it, he said it would end in the spring or early summer of 2023. So we're about there. We should have wow. him on. Honestly. Talk about a slow and steady read. I love right. that. And so I signed up for it every week. I get his comments on whatever story he read that week. How cool. And, and you you're know, saving them in case you like, <laughs> in case actually, I dive actually in. start. <laughs> but I loved the idea. And so I, I love that as, you know, you know how I love short stories. And yes. each one of these would probably take, you know, hour to read, two hours tops. That's so wonderful. I think it's, it's such a doable project. I mean, you look at this book. I'm showing you right here. It's 1,200 pages. It's very thick. <laughs> but if you divide that into 85 little sessions. Yeah. And, you know, I, I we should do that. And it's kind of your, your ennui story group does this yes. in a big way. But I, I love the idea of just of just diving into a collection and just doing it as a weekly or even daily devotional. I would love to do that with Eudora Welty's short stories. Oh, yeah. um, not Irish, but still. <laughs> okay, so when I pulled that book from my shelf, the collected stories, and I brought it to work, and knowing I was going to pull Love and Summer from my shelf here at work, I had another novel on my shelf by William Trevor. Because your shelves are organized alphabetically by author. By author. Yes, they are. <laughs> so I wasted no time finding this. Yes. Uh, the story I love about this book is I picked it up at the um, Friends of the Wichita Art Museum 
book sale that they have in May. Every May they have this huge used book sale from, you know, people donate books to the friends group. They have the sale and it helps to fund, you know, they, they help fund art purchases for the museum and whatnot. Yeah. So when I saw this book at the sale, I picked it up and thought, well, this is a nice book. And then I opened it up and there's a book plate in it. And look at the book plate. <gasps> it's Neil Shine. Neil Shine. Wow. Who is the father of our news director, Tom, Tom Shine. Shine. So when I found this book, I sent a, a picture of it and I sent a text to Tom Shine and, and asked him how it was that I was holding this book that belonged to his dad in the museum. My mother uh, put book plates in all of my dad's books because he had the habit of giving them away to people to read and then they would never return. So she started marking his books. When my parents died, I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. Uh, many of those boxes are still in my closets now. But I've kind of culled the collection down a little bit, and then I've donated them to the Wichita Art Museum for their book sale every year. And their family is from Ireland, so talk <laughs> about full circle. I just love that. I mean, I had to buy it then. I mean, I was wow. going to buy it anyway, but then I pulled But you up. have a William Trevor book that has a book plate by, from Neil Shine. That yes. is amazing. Isn't that great? And was that just by chance? You picked it up at the sale and it happened to have that? That's yes. weird. That is the world. So I feel like all of something. these are messages saying I have to do this William Trevor. <laughs> okay, so the last bit, though, I said this was a three-part thing. So I have this galley. And it's Love and Summer. It came out, as you said, in 2009. And on the galley, so this isn't marginalia necessarily. I guess it would be ephemera because there's a post-it note that I put on this galley. And I don't believe that this quote came from within Love and Summer, but I don't know where it came from. But I loved this quote for some reason because it was somebody wanted to, like, wish ill on somebody who made them mad or something. And so the quote was, not death, just suffering. Syphilis. Okay, fine. Syphilis and gonorrhea. That's, they didn't want to wish death on this no, person. No, but just a really bad STD. <laughs> I love that. So what's bad is, here's what's really bad, is I tried to, you know, Google where this quote came from, and nothing came up. So now I'm sure Wichita State is wondering why I'm, why I'm Googling syphilis and gonorrhea. <laughs> Oh, man, our search histories say so much. Open Records Act, man. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Well, uh, so so do we... <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to laugh through this because I'm still laughing. I grabbed this book for the photo. Getting this podcast out is such a, it's such an endeavor. You know? And a joy. It, it, we, <laughs> but we have to read the books. <laughs> we edit it. Yeah. But who would have thought that the hardest part of this podcast was figuring out the photo that goes with the I post? I know, because every time it's like, do you really want another selfie of <laughs> Beth and I or a picture of a stack of books? I, I don't know. Readers do. They like to see. I don't know. I'd like to see books on Bookstagram and Book Talk. Which is why I think we have a brilliant idea. We do. We want you. Listeners. Yes, yes you. We want you to take a selfie which is a selfie in front of your bookshelf. Take a selfie. You know, we prefer horizontal as opposed to vertical just because it fits better on the webpage. Mm -hmm. And we would love for you to send us 
your shelfie. Yes. So engage with us. We want to see your smiling faces. If that's possible, we can take you can take a selfie with your books or if, if you want, you can just send us um, a picture of uh, your bookshelf or your maybe, to be read stack or your to be read your stack, nightstand. your TBR. Tell us maybe a little bit about uh, why some of those books are on there. We'd love to hear from you. So and if we use your picture, you get a sticker. <laughs> And these stickers are nothing to be scoffed at, Beth. They are hologram. Yes, they are. Hologram, holograph, hologram. They're shiny. (laughs) They glisten and twinkle. (laughs) And they're beautiful. That would be a books and whatnot sticker sent straight to you wherever you are. So um, how do they do that, Beth? How would they send those to us? Go ahead and send your photo. Email, I think, is easiest. Send it to podcasts at kmuw.org. That's plural podcasts. Thank you. Be sure to include your mailing address. And the S at the end of podcast. (laughs) And the S at the end of address. If you would like to post it on on Instagram, you know, the bookstagram, just tag us. And that our account is at books underscore and underscore whatnot. So follow us, tag us, you let us know that you're listening and and, uh, what's on your shelf that way. You know, if we use it, we'll send you a sticker. We absolutely will. We look forward to seeing those and to hear and really to hearing from you about, you know, maybe things that you'd like for us to talk about or books that you've read that you want us to know about. Just, yeah, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And if you, um, you know, if you feel like you need to, like, qualify the books on your stack by telling us why you haven't read them or whatever, we're here to listen. For, <laughs> we, you know, we're here for Oh, ya. we got your back on that. It, I call it being surrounded by possibility. That's all my unread books. That sounds wonderful. And it also sounds like a good place to stop. I guess so. So thanks for joining us today for Books and Whatnot. Until next time. Keep turning those pages. Bye, Beth. Bye, Suzanne. Books and Whatnot is a production of KMUW Wichita. Our team of engineers, producers, editors, and hosts are Mark Statzer, Torin Anderson, Haley Krausen, Jonathan Huber, Luann Stevens, Carly Cooper, Beth Golay, and Suzanne Perez. You can reach us by email sent to podcasts at kmuw.org, on Twitter at Books and Whatnot, and on Instagram, books underscore and underscore whatnot. Find more conversations and a list of books discussed in this episode at kmuw.org. Sometimes the more interesting story lies beyond the pages of the book. Oh boy, (laughs) this is a very good question. This is the right question. Conversations with today's leading authors on Marginalia, each Tuesday from KMUW, part of the NPR Network.